Life gets hard sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. Hello, hello all. Welcome to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. I'm Jackie. <laughs> and I am Julia. And how much coffee have you had today? <laughs> I've had I've I've had me trying to get over a bad 48 hours with like pure positive attitude levels of coffee. Yes. That's yes, you, you, so yes, yes, yes. Based on our our emergency brunch yesterday, you have had a yes. last forty eight hours, and we'll get into that. But before we do all that, we have a very special guest joining us today, Professor Lisa Dixon from the University of Illinois. She is a professor of theater, dance, staff, but most importantly, she was my teacher at the University of Illinois for my BFA and continued to be one of my favorite teachers and um, and peers uh, even long after college. So, so exciting to have you on the podcast today to talk about mental health. How are you doing today, Lisa? Oh, I'm good. And thank you so much for A, that lovely introduction, because it does my heart good, as it does for most teachers, to know that we've had a positive impact. <laughs> on our students as they go out into the world and so to be asked to do this podcast first was just um it was lovely and exciting and then also to know what we were talking about i was like oh yeah that's right in my wheelhouse so yeah i love that very happy to be here yeah good so julia sort of i'm 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 curious to hear right off the bat julia sort of alluded to like in in your teaching of theater you put a focus on uh be, being you, you you phrased it like taking up space and being okay with mm -hmm. taking taking up space. Describe that. I'm intrigued. Sure. Well, um, <laughs> you got an hour, but anyway, <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically we do. Um, so I I started teaching very early in my career, only after I had been working professionally for a, a couple of years. And I found my way myself back in Champaign. Life throws you curves, as one knows. And um, one of, and so I started teaching very early. And as I was teaching, I learned a couple of things. A, that being a teacher of acting, first of all, makes you a better actor um, and humbles you in some ways. And then also, um, that the population of students I was teaching, which the majority of them came from the Chicago area, whether it was the suburbs or South uh, Chicago or, you know, one of the neighborhoods. And because of that, we shared sort of an Illinois Midwestern culture. And in so doing, I learned that a lot of my students generally, but specifically women students, young women students who were from these areas um, might have been incredibly talented, but doubted themselves on a regular basis. And they didn't just doubt themselves, you know, about their work in acting, but they had a sort of, they had been taught or learned a go along to get along kind of an attitude and I have an opinion, but let me make sure everyone else has a voice and an opinion in the room before I have a voice and an opinion. And I often, uh, uh, and some of this stuff was hard won for me uh, as well, so, but I often found myself saying things to them like, well, you know, A, you or your parents or whomever are paying just as much money as anyone else in this class to do this work. So uh, take up the time, take up the space. 
have an opinion and or if you do have an opinion, that opinion is valuable enough to be voiced out, spoken out into the ether, into the space, as everyone else does. And what I also what I very often found was that it sometimes felt like it was a revelation to them, not that they were particularly unhealthy young women, but that it was a revelation to them that they thought they could do this in the work that they wanted to do in their lives. And not only that, that they could do this, but that it was their job to do this. It was their job to be themselves and speak up and speak out and take up space physically, mentally, emotionally, what have you. And in so doing that, it made their work better and it made them blossom or flower, whatever the word is, as not just as artists in training, but as human beings. So that then led me to giving them exercises to do that might on the surface seem like they have nothing to do with acting, like riding their bike across the quad, singing at the top of their lungs, or when they get the wrong coffee at the coffee shop, very kindly, but firmly going back and saying, this is the thing that I asked for, and I would like you to give me the thing that I asked for, instead of just taking what they were given. And I often found that these exercises had more of an impact on the actors than just the, the exercises we might have done specifically in class for actor training. And so as time moved on, I recognized that my job as a teacher wasn't just to teach them particular skill sets as an actor, but that I felt I began to feel very strongly that my job as a teacher was to help these people in general and women and women identifying people in particular to um, <clears throat> to become a, a, a more clear version of themselves and to take that out into the world. And I felt like it was my job and that if I could help them to uh, shed some of the baggage or damage that they had been carrying around, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, that that was really the crux of my job. My job was to help them to be in the world in a better, stronger way. And that could lead to better acting. But if I could help them to, to leave, leave behind a couple of years of self-doubt and self-recrimination, then I had really done my job. No matter what um, they ended up doing with their lives, um, and I just noticed that, that there's a former student on Facebook who is switching jobs because what she asked for in the current job, she did not get. And she said, all right, I'm out of here. And I'm like, yes, if I could have been able to do that when I was younger, that is what I, you know, so this, this is exactly what I wanted them to do. And so that's my long winded way of saying this is who this is what I feel my not just my job, but my avocation, my calling is as a as a teacher of humans. It's almost like <laughs> acting through self-respect, through like like self-revelation. <laughs> through self-revelation. That's so that's so fat. You're speaking to a lot of things that I've learned in my adulthood and like I oh my gosh, where were you in my college career, frankly? <laughs> If I could astral project myself to many places, I would. <laughs> I will. If that's just you, that is something that I so firm personally, like I, because I also went to college for acting and I so didn't think about how my attitude toward myself and my own thoughts and opinions 
affected my acting. That's something I didn't think about until pretty recently in my life, actually. After coincidentally, you know, going going through like I it's so funny that you said riding a bike singing because I do that. I just do that because I've reached I, I reached a point where I'm like, I'm not gonna no none of these people know who I am and it's a nice summer day and I'm jamming out. I don't care. And the joy that it brings you in that moment because you are being uh supremely yourself. Yeah has a reflection not only on the rest of your day, but hopefully on the rest of your week or and, and your interactions with other people because you have been supremely in that instant yourself, you know, be completely yourself at all times, especially in the presence of others, which is a saying I got from my therapist. Uh, and I asked him if I could use it. And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, great. It's one of the you know best things I've ever been able to say to my students to be, um, completely yourself at all times, especially in the presence of others. And it seems like a no brainer, but it's not. But it's not. It's, it's so, not. It's it's so yeah. you're 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 completely correct. We are raised particularly as as women to 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 dull down and to be the most presentable version and for people like me who i've been accused of um being team too much so shall we say um, <laughs> but that's why we're friends jackie because <laughs> i was like you i need to hang around you more like like finding those friends who like don't tell you like hey you're being a little too loud or like oh, yeah. you're being a little too much like i have i i now know like you're just you just don't get me you're just not for me but like right. it's, it's so it's so frustrating now lisa when i when i go home around like my family who raised me and they tell me that and i'm like i'm sorry i am 31 years old i vote i pay taxes i will take up as much goddamn space as i please if we're not in a live yes like <laughs> like like are you are you just saying it's because you're uncomfortable with a woman speaking loudly like if i was a man Mm -hmm. Would you patriarchy rant of the day? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we have to hit one per episode, and we've gotten there we today. To Excellent. We got it very <laughs> well, early. And that's just it. Um, when one is accused of being too much, and that has been, I am, I was one six feet tall. I am a big black woman. And the idea of being too much has always been a part of what I have received from the world around me. And you know, it, it sometimes takes a while for us to begin to question the idea of, oh, who made the decision uh, and definition of what is too much? And when you're growing up in it, you don't realize you're growing up in it because you're right in the middle of it. And then this is what universities are have been and are still good for, even though they're moving toward corporatization. And that's a whole nother conversation we can have. But um, the idea of going to a place where oh, I, especially in actor training, I am expected to discover myself, right? What was written over the library at Alexandria? Know thyself. And how can you know a character or how can you know what you need to do in this job if you don't know yourself? Now, knowing yourself doesn't mean it's static and it never changes, but there are things we can know about ourselves at all times that may be quote unquote too much. And if we feel like, and we've learned to so almost automatically, oh, sorry, whoops, oh, sorry, too much. And then we've got this thing building up inside of us that both says you've got to suppress that too much, which I have sometimes done with, you know, liquor and chocolate. But if 
you can consume that liquor and chocolate in a healthy way <laughs> so that it is in celebration of the self as opposed to trying to uh, damp down the self, right? Then there, there are some discoveries made that you can begin to move through the world with, um, you know, stronger, bigger, wider steps. And we all know when we meet someone who is, um, who seems to be really themselves, that we're almost always drawn to that person in some way because that person is radiating some sort of truth about themselves that is attractive to those of us who either are also radiating our truth or who are looking for a space where we can radiate our own truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and of course, families have expected you to be one way, right? And uh, they're already, even if they want you to be yourselves and you grow up in a super healthy environment, we have to grow and change. You cannot be at 31, the same person you were at 21. And if you are, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> you should question that. You, you should, should talk to someone yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think a lot about, cause I was 21 when I, when I started taking your class, junior, sophomore, junior year. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> like, Oh yes, I remember. <laughs> and well, do you remember the text we used? Um, oh Zen God. in the martial arts. Zen in the martial arts. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I remember. Yeah. And, and Stephen and the, and the plays that we read in your class, Stephen mm -hmm. Adley Gerges. And there was, yes. there was just, there was no, it's not that there wasn't any room. It was just that the actor that I, the person that I was trained to be, even outside of the, like the expectations that my suburban upbringing and quaint Midwest parents had of me was to be this young, polite, mindful young lady who mm -hmm. had a funny thing to say every now and then, but was never allowed to be disagreeable or make others uncomfortable around right. her. And one of the things that I remember about your class was you saw all of that construction of this person that I thought that I was supposed to be by society mm -hmm. standards. And you told me, Julia, I want you to go run three laps around the parking lot and then come back and do this scene. And everyone was like, Julia, I didn't know you were so dark and funny. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. I just didn't know that that's what people wanted to see from me. And then I just did a very simple thing, which was made you so out of breath that you couldn't contain that thought. <laughs> that's so no. fabulous. And, no. and then I was like, oh, she's going to be in my play. <laughs> that is so fabulous. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was great. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I have a kitchen sink. Uh, uh, theory of teaching, which is whatever class I have, um, yeah, there are basic skills that we want to teach everybody, but also what does this particular group and then what does this particular individual need? And Julia was always very well put together um, and beautiful. And I could tell she was funny and I could tell she was interesting and that she had a lot going on. Uh, and she probably knew in the back of her mind, right, that she did. 
But then when I did something simple and weird, like go out and run three laps around the parking lot, and she comes back in out of breath and then does the scene. And it's like, oh, my God. Yes, exactly. Because now you can't physically control all of that good, rich, loamy mm -hmm. stuff that is there at your disposal as an actor. That is so yeah. fabulous. And it was such a – yeah. And like, like I – now, after being in therapy and looking back on my history with anxiety and where it started, um, it was it was at its at its thickest, I'll say, in college. And I I just I had so much anxiety and doubt. And that was the norm that was in my head. And it was exercises like that in that classes that were able to get me out and be present and try new things. And and also one of my favorite things I learned from your class was do the scene wrong. Just do the scene how you don't think it's supposed do to be done. Do everything wrong. Yes. Do everything wrong. Just embrace <laughs> the mess. And you just, you watch these, these, these kids turn into artists and be like, oh, I didn't know that I could do with this. And that is something that I embrace in every facet of my life now. It's like, well, why not? Why not date, do it the wrong, like safe, but do it the wrong way. Or why not like, do this thing at my job and and just go all out the way that it could be the wrong way to do. But mm -hmm. look at all this good stuff that I dug up from mm -hmm. it. And it's just, yeah, it's like amazing. Once you get out of your own head, like how much more, more room for creativity you have. Absolutely. And then the creativity leads you to recognize, oh, there's a much wider array of what can be quote unquote right uh, as opposed to right, uh, this bright line between right and wrong. And <clears throat> what people are looking for versus what they think they're looking for, right? They may think they're looking for one thing, and then you, in your job, have some creative way of doing it, and then they can look at it and say, oh, well, that's way better than my idea, right? I Yeah, I have I have a job now in marketing, never thought that that was the field or industry that I was going to go into. And they're looking to me for creative ideas. And I'm like, well, did you ever think about doing it this way or trying it that way? And I don't have, a, I don't have, they're like, what? How? <laughs> my goodness. What, what is your background again? And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a BFA in, in theater. Mm -hmm. I rolled around in a unitard mm -hmm. my junior year. I hopped around I, like a frog. Nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it though they're like it's so funny. Like I've noticed it before, but just like particularly the way you pointed out, there is this obsession with young performers of wanting to get it right and wanting to get it perfect and do it good on the first try. And that's something that I hugely had to grapple with and still grapple <laughs> with today. And it's so funny that that's now you know you you it it. At the top of the conversation, it's like, oh, that's an interesting take. And now I'm like, why the heck aren't we all doing it that way? Because it's like we talk in acting class about like the breakdown of like the facade and like, and, but then we don't really do like stupid, silly little things to just like trick ourselves out of our habits. Right. But I think also that's one of the reasons why I think of these sometimes very weird exercises that seem like they have nothing to do with acting but what they have to do with in the larger sense is uh breaking yes as you said jackie breaking down um preconceived notions about the self 
about the situation and then allowing a lot of light in and a lot of new stuff to to happen. So that idea, I, I gave one student who was very precise and always had their stuff together and were always prepared with their homework and this, that, and the other. And and I said to one of the other students who was their roommate, I said, I'll bet he keeps his, you know, room very clean. Oh yes, all of his shirts are lot are are hung up in color code through the color wheel from black all the way up through red, green, you know, whatever. And I said, okay, so um for the next 10 days, you can't hang anything up. You know, you have to leave some dishes in the sink or perhaps you, you know, just small things that for the rest of us might not be a problem. You know, I leave dishes in the sink all the time. But for this person, the idea of not being, quote unquote, um, put together in their home life also permeated everything they wanted to do in theater and to get it right. So it was that really sort of sphincter tightening it must be correct and i was like you some you know i tell some students you you are making a diamond out of coal within a week and i don't want you to make any more diamonds right and they're like what are you talking about but i'm i was like yeah that's i know you can be prepared i know you can have stuff ready that's not what i'm interested in i'm interested in not all of that table work i'm interested in this moment where you discover about yourself (gasps) who am i Oh, good. Then you have a bunch of questions to ask. And the student faithfully did the exercise. And then we had to do it again because what they faithfully did was they left their shirt, T-shirts and things laid out in a specific way so they could just walk and pick them up. And I was like, no, I'm going to have one of your roommates come in and mess your room up while you're gone. I mean, (laughs) that's amazing. I love that. So, so I love that in your, in your history, what, what in your personal history, uh, influence this philosophy this amazing cool teaching philosophy that you eventually eventually came to that yes good question i I just i mean a, a number of things and a series of things i when i was growing up in the uh 70s late 60s and, and 70s i never really saw myself I had people tell me, oh, you should be an actor, you should be a performer, you should be a stand-up comedian. People would say that to me all the time. Junior high, high school, for goodness sake. And I always thought, well, I can't make a living at that. And who's going to know, you know, and what sorts of um, role models did I have to look to that of anybody who looked like me or sounded like me or, you know, who thought a black girl from the Midwest was going to be able to do Shakespeare or anything like that. And so I... You know, I got my undergraduate degree in anthropology. Don't get me wrong, love anthropology. But when I decided to become an actor and get an MFA, everyone was like, well, that's a weird change, except for my anthropology professors. They were the only people who said, oh, that makes sense. You're interested in humans and human behavior and, and culture and that sort of thing. And they said, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, my God, yes. So that was one of the first things when I decided to go to grad school, I had some of my anthropology teachers who were like, oh, yeah, that's great. Terrific. Yeah. Um, I did have a mother who loved me very much. And, you know, she said, well, as long as you're doing what you want to do, she knew I was going to be independent, could take care of myself however I needed to. She was like, all right, you're getting a degree in anthropology. Great. You're going to get a degree in theater. Great. I mean, two incredibly wonderful degrees that are going to help me make a million dollars. But still. (laughs) 
Um, I, I had that. And then one of the biggest turning points for me, um, one happened in my last year in graduate school. I had a teacher when I did an, a, a, um, a piece where I'd finally sort of discovered the strength and power and breath of Shakespeare. I did a monologue from Queen Margaret, Mad Queen Margaret from Richard III. You know, um, from forth the kennel of thy womb, you know. And I had a teacher tell me, that's too much. You're just too much. You're never going to get hired. And so I thought to myself, ah, I finally shown my true colors. I'm too much. You know, I'm still grappling with that. And along came a playwright, <clears throat> a wonderful, fantastic playwright, Naomi Wallace, whom I, uh, who came to work with us at when I was in graduate school at Illinois State. And she cast me in one of the lead roles in her play, Slaughter City. And then almost immediately, a year out of graduate school, I found myself working at the, the uh, RSC in London, playing that role. Because she said, yeah, I want you to play it. And I went from being a barista at Starbucks. Within 48 hours, I was in Chicago. Within 48 hours, I was on a plane to London and in rehearsals with some, you know, pretty hoity-toity people. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm not too much, right? So these two things are warring with each other. I ended up working in London and having a kind of a better, you know, more better, well-known career in London because at that time, it, it was much different there than it is now here. And it was much different from the United States than it is now. And I was like, I'm going to stay here forever. I love it. This is my home. And I'm going to be in London and, and I'm just going to be a black girl from the Midwest doing all these wonderful things at the RSC and the Globe, blah, blah, blah. And then my mother got ill. And again, within 48 hours after that great time of learning and discovering myself, found myself back in Champaign-Urbana working as a sometimes substitute teacher, bartending. So I, you know, I had these ups and downs. And then I was caretaking for my mother and I literally fell into this job at the university because I went to get some soup at the Intermezzo at Craner and I read the art search and I was like, oh, they need somebody here. Maybe I could be, you know, visit. I need some money. And out of the blue, there I was. So I was both suddenly working as a teacher and still learning about myself, right, as an artist. And then also caretaking for my mother and other family members. And so I learned so much about how, especially as women in this society, how we can be both caretakers to others. We can always be caretakers to others, but we must learn to be caretakers for ourselves. And I don't mean just, you know, once in a while going to get a, a mani-pedi, which don't, you know, I, I am not in any way, shape or form knocking that because that is a bit of self-care. But I'm talking long-term, deep self-care. I learned about the need for having therapy, which saved my life in many ways. Uh, the need for allowing yourself as a woman, as a person of color, as, you know, a, a working class person, because a, a lot of poor and working class people think, well, all I've got to do is get through the day. And of course, that's all they can sometimes think about. But we all need someone to be on the outside helping us to see things, right? Which is one of the, th the things that therapy does. And I, again, so I had all of these things going on in my life to hopefully try and answer your question. 
all these things going on in my life that I then recognize, oh, some of these things are happening happening or will happen to these students as they are in my care as a teacher. And how can I, as a fellow human being who is both in this position somewhat of power, because theater teachers don't have a lot of power, but somewhat of, 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 of power, but of the ability to be a guide and the ability to be a person who helps them open doors to self-knowledge. And then it became not just a job, but as I said earlier, an avocation that helped to fuel my own self-learning uh, and recognition of and caretaking of as well as, as, well as at the same time, I was hope, hoping to and working on helping them to discover that as well. So, you know, one of the things I have definitely learned about uh, women in general and women in the Midwest in particular uh, not that they are not doing it on the other coast, uh, on the coast or anywhere else, but that I definitely learned that we have this idea that we need to keep our shit together so we can help them keep their shit together. And at the same time, we got to recognize that, oh, I got to think about my own shit first. And that is, that is almost a radical act a radical act to think about and care for the self. We live in a society where unfortunately that is a radical act. This, that my job, when those students who leave my, I won't say care, but the, who leave our world and go out into the world. When I say, I want the students at U of I to go out and take over the world. I really mean it. <laughs> I really mean that I want whatever it is you do. I don't care if you, you, end up becoming a cabinet maker or a social worker or um, the manager of a coffee shop or the owner of a coffee shop. I want you to take over the world in the best sense of uh, taking up space and helping and allowing and supporting others to do so. All right. So Lisa, we, we talk about our self-care for the week. So mm -hmm. Jackie and I will go first. My self-care was starting a new anxiety medication called Buspirone, which is in Axiolytic. It's specifically for anxiety. I'm going down on the Zoloft, which was for the depression because the Zoloft was not helping with my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, was not doing great for my, my sex life and libido. Yeah. So my partner is very happy that I am switching over to a different medication and we'll see what happens. Jackie. Brilliant. Good for you. My self-care was uh, calling you up yesterday and saying, Julia, I got dumped and I require emergency brunch right now. And, <laughs> and Julia said, I'll call you in two minutes. Called me in about two seconds and said, when can you be here? Let's go. <laughs> and it was and it was wonderful. So sometimes self-care involves other people caring for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Self-care yeah. is however you define it. Amen. Yeah. Anyway. Define it. How My self-care was doing this. Oh, yay. Thank you. it helps to reaffirm who I think of and know myself to be. So I love it. thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, well, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah. Do you have uh, social medias that you want people to follow? Do you have projects to shout out? Because now is the time to do it. 
Um, projects, uh, University of Illinois Department of Theater, uh, uh, we are having an entire fall and spring season, and we have some wonderful things, so anything on at UIUC Department of Theater, they can look up on the Center.com or Department of Theater, we have a brand new website coming out, and um, I am only on Facebook because I'm a fuddy-duddy, but I would love for people to follow this, and of course, the Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. Oh my gosh. Get a sound <laughs> clip of that. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been so great. I, I, I've really enjoyed meeting and talking to you. And obviously, Julia is ecstatic that you came on today. So, <laughs> they, so thank you so much. And thank you. Julia, we want everybody to stay safe. Stay sane. Same time Bye. next week. <laughs> Bye.